So if you don't know who I am, my name is uh, Jason, and I serve as one of the elders here at Genesis. And Genesis has been my family's home for about eight years now. You'll also see us, my wife Dawn and I, serving in the living room uh, every week. And uh, I work at a little company called IBM. And uh, there are about 380,000 employees at IBM. Just a little company. They're about $80 billion, okay? And I work in their cyber security business unit, so I help find bad people doing bad things on the internet. Up until about a year ago, um, my job was to kind of manage the strategy uh, of about a $700 million portfolio within uh, IBM. It was a bit stressful. And I say that um, not to be boastful in any way whatsoever. It's actually very humbling because uh, I just find it really funny how God works because I actually have a degree in dairy herd management. I actually have a degree in milking cows, okay? And somehow God put me into this position at IBM. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of people at work that like to joke about my, um, you know, my job. And I'll be in meetings. I'll be getting ready to present. And my boss will be like, hey, tell them about your dairy herd management, management degree. It's really funny. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. But I did it here today. So... Um, but what I usually tell them, just to kind of break the ice, is, you know, you can make fun of my degree all you want, but I'm going to milk this company for all it's worth. <laughs> and that usually gets a few laughs. You know, my major point here is that just working within such a large company, just 8,000 people that I'm working with, and I actually know quite a bit of them, I've had ample, ample opportunity to talk about my faith. But I've always been really cautious about it. Now, I've always hoped that people would just kind of, you know, see that I'm different because of my relationship with the Lord and that that would spark some interesting conversations. And, you know, a couple times that, that that happened. But over the last year, I've just felt the Lord impressing on me that I have to be uh, just much more intentional about talking to people about my faith. And it's been really exciting. Over the last year, um, God's really been faithful to that, and I've had a lot of ongoing conversations with people about God. Some of the people I've been talking to, you know, they believe in God, but they really struggle with God being faithful or being a loving God because they just see so much evil in the world. They see so much hatred. One of the gentlemen that I talked to, he's actually, he's from Israel, and there's a history, lots of history there with Israel and hardship, and he just really struggles Another uh, person I've been talking to believes in God as well, but he's just living this life of works. He really feels like he's got to earn his way into heaven. He doesn't believe that what Jesus actually accomplished for him on the cross is sufficient. He's just got to do everything that he possibly can to get into heaven. I'd go as far as to say that he actually gets bitter at the thought of other people getting into heaven who have worked less than he has. All of these individuals that I've been talking to actually struggle with the same question. Is God faithful? If someone asked you if God was faithful, how would you answer? I think some of you are going to respond with a resounding, yes, absolutely, God's been faithful in my life. I've seen him do amazing things in the hard times and the good times, just like the song that we just sang. It's God's faithful. But then there's going to be some of us that we're going to struggle with wrapping our head around a faithful God because we've had so many people in our lives be untrustworthy or unfaithful to us. Maybe you've been lied to over and over again. Maybe you've been betrayed. 
Maybe you've been in an, in an abusive relationship. Maybe you came from a broken family. It's hard for us to wrap our head around a faithful God when we've never had somebody to model that for us. And then some of us are going to struggle in believing in God because we ourselves have actually been the ones to be unfaithful or untrustworthy to others. Maybe we were the ones who betrayed somebody. Maybe we were the ones to lie to somebody. For those of us who have hurt others in this way, we may ask ourselves, how could God be faithful to somebody like me? And then some of us are going to struggle with faithfulness because we're trying to live faithful lives, but we're trying to see, you know, where is God in this? God, where are you? I know for me personally, I've been through times when I've just seen God's faithfulness in incredible, miraculous ways. And to be honest, those were times when I wasn't necessarily at my best place with my walk with the Lord. And then there's been times when my wife Don and I have been, you know, feeling like we're really being obedient. We're really trying to follow what God is doing in our lives, but we felt like God had left us. Back in 2004, we, uh, we lived up in New Hampshire, and uh, that's another country up north, by the way. And uh, we were asked to come down here and be a part of uh, a church plant in the Boston area. And Don and I prayed about it, and we both felt like we were really convicted, and we wanted to come down and be a part of it. And it was a really cool time for us. It was, ex- it was an exciting time. It was also a hard time. We were leaving friends. We were leaving family. We were moving away. We cut the sides of our house, and we doubled our mortgage, which is what you do when you move to Boston, right? <laughs> and um, things were going pretty well. We were meeting our neighbors. It was exciting to be a part of a church plant. But within the first six months, we got a call from my mom, and uh, she told us that she had breast cancer, stage four. And if you don't know what stage four cancer is, it means that the cancer has metastasized through the rest of the body. And she had about 12 tumors in her brain. She was 58 years old. It just, it just knocked the wind out of us. And I was, literally, I was angry. I was like, God, you called us to move down here. We were being obedient to you. You're supposed to be protecting us. I thought you were faithful. And the next year was crazy for us. We had to just let a ton of things go so that I could spend as much time as I could up in New Hampshire. And my wife, Dawn, was incredible. She just completely freed me up to be in New Hampshire, uh, to be with my mom. She just took on all of the burdens of taking care of the home and raising two young children. And she was homeschooling at the time and being a part of a church plant. And she just did it. She took it all on just really faithfully and really graciously. But during that time I had with my mom, I really tried to make it a point to just continually share with her, you know, what God had been doing in my life, what Jesus had done in my life. And Don, at the time, um, you know, it was, it was hard because my mother wasn't particularly a nice person, actually. She wasn't a Christian. It was hard to get along with her, and she was particularly tough on Don. But Don just held on to this promise that love conquers all, and she just loved my mom regardless of how my mom acted towards her. And not long before my mom um, passed away, I was praying with her one day, and she gave her life to Christ. And then not long after that, my mother uh, sent an apologetic letter to Don, just expressing in her own words how Don had been such an example of faithfulness to her and faithfulness to me and and her children. 
So it seemed like in the midst of just chaos to us and not understanding what God was doing, we saw God move in an amazing way. We saw him change my mom's heart, and ultimately we saw him call my mom home to himself. So I'd say in the light of all of the things that I've experienced in my 26 years of being a Christian and following the Lord and 24 years of marriage, tomorrow is our 24th anniversary, by the way. Thank you. I can personally say with confidence that God is faithful. Now, as I've been thinking about God's faithfulness, I'd summarize what God's been putting on my heart like this. God's faithfulness to us is not dependent on our faithfulness to him, but living faithfully helps others see that God is faithful. So first, when we're talking about God's faithfulness and God being faithful, what are, we, what are we talking about? Well, we're saying that God is steadfast, that he is constant, that he is devoted, that he is trustworthy. And Deuteronomy 7.9 says this, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. This verse first says that God is faithful because of who he is, not because of who we are. There isn't anything that we can do to change God. The scripture says, the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God. And this is important. Not only is, it, is God faithful to us, but it's important for us to understand that God is also faithful to himself. God's faithful to himself because the Bible says he can't deny himself. And if he's faithful to himself, then that means that he's faithful to everything that he says and he does. He's faithful to all the attributes and the characteristics that we've been talking about through this entire series. He is holy. He is just. He is righteous. He is bigger. He is father. Psalm 89.8 says this, O Lord God Almighty, where is there anyone as mighty as you, Lord? Faithfulness is your very character. John Piper summarizes God's faithfulness very nicely here. He says, faithfulness is at the heart of all that God is and does. His truthfulness, holiness, love, righteousness, and other attributes ensure his faithfulness. He is un- incapable of being otherwise. Friends, this is, this is amazing news for us, right? It means that our present situations or our circumstances, those things aren't a measure of God's faithfulness to us. If we're down in the dumps and things aren't going our way or they're going well, or our current relationship with God isn't exactly where we'd like it to be, or we're working really hard to be really faithful and do all the right things because we've gone all super Christian. That's not how it works. We can't earn God's faithfulness, and we can't lose God's faithfulness. God is faithful not because of how we act or what we do, how much we achieve or how much we don't achieve. He is faithful and he is trustworthy because he is God. We can trust that God is faithful because he is first faithful to himself and his purposes. 
God is faithful to Scripture. He's faithful to all of His promises. He's faithful to pursue us. He's faithful to forgive us. He's faithful to sustain us. He's faithful to give us the Holy Spirit so that we can grow in Christ-likeness with Him. He's faithful to comfort us. He's faithful to love us lavishly, Deuteronomy 7.9 says, so that we can pour out that love to others. Now, these are all incredible promises that you know, we, we have to grasp onto, that we love to grasp onto. But if God is faithful to his scripture and everything that he has said about himself, then he's also faithful to the characteristics and the things that make us feel a little uncomfortable sometimes. These are the things that kind of make us squirm in our seats. God is faithful to bring judgment. He's faithful to deny those who deny him. He's faithful to being a jealous God. He's faithful to hating sin. He has to because he is a righteous and a just God. God would not be God if he were not faithful to everything, to everything that he has said and promised. So God's faithfulness to us is not dependent on our faithfulness to him. And in light of the fact that God is so faithful, how do we live our lives in such a way that people see the faithfulness of God? What is our response to that? And I think it's pretty simple. Obedience. Obedience to God is us saying and us trusting that, Lord, your ways are better than our ways. And we see over and over again in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, these promises, these promises of God's faithfulness to those who follow him and those who put their trust in him, but they're typically attached with something. They're attached with an action statement or an if statement, if you will. Going back to Deuteronomy 7.9, the second half of that verse, it says this, he keeps his covenant with those who love him and obey his commandments. If we flip to the New Testament in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, it says this, Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Meaning that we will know that we are following Jesus if we are living a life according to his word. So God is saying that when we are obedient and our hearts are aligned with his hearts, that that is a heart for his kingdom, that he's going to move. He's going to be with you. People will know that you know him because you are following him, that you are keeping his commandments. And he's going to pour out his love on you so that you can pour out that same love to others. The Bible challenges us that faithful obedience it's not just a matter of not sinning. It's not just a matter of reading our Bible. It's not just a matter of daily prayer. All of those obviously are really important spiritual disciplines that we're called to grow in as a follower of Christ. But it's how we, it's how we orient our lives and our hearts around Christ that is so important. And Paul says in chapter 2, I'm sorry, uh, 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. 
If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. There's a lot packed into these, these verses, and I think it's important for us to just unpack them a little bit here. What Paul is saying is that if we have died with him, meaning we've put our faith in Christ, the old self is gone, we have a new self, we're new creations in him. But what he's saying is here, if we, did, if we die with him, we've decided to give up our ways for his ways. We've renounced our own ambitions for his desires and ambitions. We identify ourselves with Christ's death, not just personally, but also publicly. And that's, that's a challenge for me, as I mentioned earlier. And if we do this, it means we live with him now and for eternity. If we endure with him, King James Version says, if we suffer with him, meaning that we've just said we've identified with Christ's death, both personally and publicly. We're walking with him. We're following him. We're obeying his commands. We're making disciples that there's going to be suffering. There's going to be hardship. And we are called to endure that faithfully and lovingly, just as Christ endured. Then not only will we live with him, but we will reign with him forever. Those are amazing promises. But then there's a couple shots across the bow here from Paul. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Now, this is not a salvation statement, okay? I think a lot of times this verse can actually be misused, and it's important for us to just talk about it for a second here. This is not a statement about those who are already in Christ, okay? And I think this can be used on people sometimes to make them feel guilty. But if you are already a Christian, if you are following Jesus and Christ is in you, then Christ cannot deny you. God cannot deny you because Christ is already in you. But if you do not know Christ and the way to relationship with God is through Jesus, his son, then he has to be faithful to himself. He does not know you. He will deny you. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. This is another one that we, is kind of tricky that we've got to be careful about. Paul is not saying, hey, it's okay. It's okay to be faithless. God's got it. God's faithful. Don't worry about it. It's not what's happening here. He's simply saying that regardless of what we do, as I said earlier, that God is faithful to himself and he's faithful to these statements that were just made by Paul. Now, I don't know about you, but as I've been sitting with these verses, especially the first two promises, what God's been putting on my heart is this. What are you dying to and what are you enduring for? Am I really dying to myself? Are my desires really being replaced with God's desires? Am I placing my priorities over God's priorities? Is what I'm suffering or what I'm enduring a result of my own walk with the Lord and, and following him faithfully, or is it because of my own selfish motives? I mentioned earlier that I worked at IBM, um, but what I didn't tell you is I, I worked my way into a fairly senior uh, position there, and honestly, I didn't, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to get there. I just plowed through doors that opened up. Um, I traveled a ton. I worked constantly. You can talk to Don about it afterwards. Um, I was just doing what I had to do, right? But it was an extremely stressful job. But after a while, 
I kind of let that become my identity. I loved doing it. I kind of loved being that stressed out, busy guy. And when people would call me up, they'd be like, Jason, I know you're busy. And I kind of liked that. Became proud of it. But I had been sensing for a couple of years that God had been telling me to actually leave my job, to take a step back. And that was hard. That was really hard because I was kind of, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was living for this job. And there was one day that I was actually on a conference call. Um, I was presenting to like 20 or 30 people. And uh, it wasn't a stressful situation. I was talking about something I knew really well, but I ended up having a pretty major panic attack. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't talk. I actually had to just jump off the phone call. And it was really scary, actually. Um, But it became really clear at that point that I knew that I had to quit and uh, God was calling me to to just do it. And I talked to Dawn and Dawn was extremely gracious and she said, yeah, do it, just do what you have to do. I didn't know exactly what I was gonna do for a job afterwards. but I knew that I had to trust God and I had to let it go, and so I quit. I went in and I told my boss I have to leave. What was really incredible was his response, which was, listen, just go take a four-month unpaid sabbatical, do what you need to do, de-stress yourself, and if you wanna come back and work for us, then we will find a less stressful uh, job that's less demanding where you don't have to travel. And so that's, that's what I did and that's what I'm doing now, but I struggled, I struggled for years because I didn't recognize that I was just living mostly for my job and I was kind of blinded to it. I thought I was doing the right things and I wasn't being obedient to what the Lord was calling me to do and I, I missed out. When I'm really honest with myself and most of what I endure is because I'm pursuing my own selfish ambitions. So I'd encourage you to ask yourself the same questions. What are you dying to and what are you enduring for? Are you holding on to your ambitions your desires, or your possessions, and are you letting God replace those with His? Maybe it's your job. By the way, I'm not recommending that everybody go quit their jobs, okay? That would be not, that wouldn't be wisdom, (laughs) okay? Um, But maybe, maybe you're in a situation where if you just had that next promotion, then everything would be better, and so you're pouring everything that you have into it. Maybe you need to die to your pride, you always need to be right in whatever situation you're in, with your friends or with your spouse? Do you feel like your opinions always need to be heard? Or maybe do you need to back off and just be gracious? Maybe it's your money. Do you hold on tightly to your money or are you presenting it before God in such a way where you're giving him control of how you should manage it and how you should use it? There's a cost, right? There's a cost to giving things up and giving control over to God. But what's awesome is that as we go through this process of dying to ourselves, we're moving, we're moving away from our self-centeredness and we're moving closer to becoming and growing and being just open-handed followers of Christ. And that's really, that's really what I've been praying for. And I think when that happens, people see that. People see that in your lives. They see a difference in you. And that's where people get to see a glimpse of God working in your life. As I've been reading through uh, the Bible this year, which I know many of you are also reading through because I'm spammed daily by the Bible app, by all you overachievers out there. So you know who you are. You know who you are. I've tried to spend just a lot more time with men and women of the Bible, 
that have been called faithful and uh, obedient. Abraham, Joshua, Moses, David, Esther, Ruth, Mary, Hezekiah, Paul, who wrote these verses that we're just talking about. And as I've been reading about their lives, I've observed these five characteristics, if you will, about how they lived and why I believe that God calls them faithful and obedient. The first is they pointed people to God. It's pretty simple, but that's how they lived their lives. And everything that they did, they did it. They did it to win people for Christ, either trying to live their lives to pull people back into obedience with the Father or sharing the gospel with people. That was their first and foremost priority. Second is, they didn't let their past define them. Many of the individuals I just mentioned, they had either very humble beginnings. Some of them had horrible pasts. If you think about Paul, right? I mean, he persecuted and he hunted down Christians in the Jerusalem area. But regardless of the past choices and their past sins or the decisions that they made or their upbringings that they grew up in, they didn't let that become their identity. They didn't let that stop them for the things that God would have them do. And I think we can often let our pasts disqualify us. I know I've struggled with that in my past as well. But God wants us to join him in this mission of bringing people to Christ. And if you are a follower of Christ, you are fully qualified and fully equipped to carry out what he has called you to do. They didn't let their pasts define them. They let God define them. Third is they weren't concerned about their reputation. They were more concerned with God's reputation. They just made much of God, not themselves. And everything that they did, they made sure that God was getting the glory, that God was getting the fame, and they weren't getting the glory and the fame. Number four is they faced, uh, when they faced daunting situations, they worshiped and they prayed. Now, I put worshiped and prayed in the same bullet for a reason, because in the more majority of situations that I read about uh, with these faithful people, their prayers in these really tough situations, I mean, being surrounded by armies and all different kinds of horrific situations that we'd never want to be in, the first thing that they did when they came before the Lord was they worshiped. It actually had nothing to do with the situation they were in. They just praised God for who he was and how faithful he was to them. And then, and then after that, they brought their needs to the Lord. I don't know, that really, that really hit me because I often just, when I'm coming to the Lord, I'm always just coming to him with my needs. They lived repentant lives. They weren't perfect people. Right? I know sometimes we hold them on a pedestal, but they weren't perfect people. They made mistakes. But what they did was when they made those mistakes, when they sinned, they quickly repented and moved on, and they did not let that slow them down. And lastly, they sought after God, and they worked wholeheartedly. They sought to know their God intimately by praying and reading their word and worshiping him and just being in his presence but they also died to themselves. They often threw everything that they had, all of their resources, all of their time into the mission that God had called them on. Some of these folks were kings. They were kings and they died to their kingship 
to make sure that the true king got all of the glory and all of the fame and was well known. Obedience and faithfulness are not always easy. There is a cost to it. Now, God's ultimate expression of his faithfulness to us was Jesus. And Jesus was the ultimate expression of obedience to God. Not only during Jesus' life did he just die continuously to himself, but on the cross, he gave up his life gave up his life and paid for the price of our sins. And not only did he endure faithfully to the end, but at the end of his life on the cross, he endured all of our sin, all of our past, present, and future sin, all on his shoulders, along with enduring all of God's wrath. We talked about God being just and righteous. So all of that fury of God's wrath was on his Shoulders. He endured that for us so that we can know him, so that we can have a relationship with him. And what's really cool is when we enter into that relationship with him, he's also faithful to give us the Holy Spirit to help correct us, to help guide us, to help us walk with him, to help us die to ourselves because we can't do that on our own. I know for me, I just, I live for myself a lot. I need Jesus to remind me of these things. I need his Holy Spirit in me to help me with these things, to help me replace my ambitions with his ambitions. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, when he purifies us from unrighteousness, he's replacing that unrighteousness with his righteousness, with righteous thoughts, with righteous ideas, with righteous ambitions. He helps us in doing that. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 says this, The Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Friends, God is faithful. He is faithful to us no matter what, but he is also He's also faithful to himself and is faithful to glorifying himself. And he has called you and he's called all of us into this amazing mission and this amazing journey to live these faithful lives obedient to him so that others, so that others would also get a glimpse of his faithfulness.